listening to Latin Experts, a podcast of Latino studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Latin Experts features the voices of faculty, staff, and students, as well as friends and alumni of the Department of Mexican American and Latina Latino Studies, the Latino Research Institute, and the Center for Mexican American Studies. Join us for this episode of Latin Experts. Episode 23, How Do Migration-Related Stresses Influence Latinx Substance Use and Abuse? I'm your host, Karma Chavez. As part of our series featuring researchers affiliated with the Latino Research Institute, our guest today is Dr. Miguel Pinedo, an assistant professor in the Department of Kinesiology and Health Education and an affiliate with the Latino Research Institute here at the University of Texas at Austin. His work investigates how social and structural level factors associated with migration to the U.S. relate to the epidemiology of substance abuse, HIV risk, and related harms. In a recent research paper published in the International Journal of Drug Policy, Dr. Pinedo investigates how the deportation of others influences the substance use of U.S. citizen Latinos. He concludes that the detentions and deportations of others may in fact influence how U.S. citizen Latinos use and abuse substances. A very interesting finding indeed. Such a finding has important implications for both public health and policy, and I'm excited to get into that today. So, Dr. Pinedo, welcome to uh, Latin Experts. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So, You know, a couple of weeks ago on this show, we had Dr. Carmen Valdez, who I think is one of your collaborators. Yeah. Okay. And we were discussing some of her work related to mixed status, immigration status families, which makes it clear, of course, that what happens to immigrants would impact the citizens in their lives. So if that's kind of an obvious point in one arena, why is it that before your work, no one has studied how something like deportation might influence U.S. citizen Latino substance use? So I would say that the health implications of deportations are have been understudied for the last couple of years. And now we've been do- doing a lot of work in terms of what are the impacts of deportations on health. And there's been a focus on mental health because that seems to be kind of an obvious health outcome because this de- the deportation of a family member is very disruptive. It's a very traumatic experience. And so my work has been looking more so at extending that work in terms of mental health vulnerability and substance use. That that makes a lot of sense. And I guess I just never really um, thought about kind of the, the, the different ways to look at this and that deport- deportation actually wasn't something that was considered so much in this arena. Um, mm-hmm. I want to move in a little bit into the, the study itself. So you, you apply what you call uh, migration as a social determinant of health as your analytic. And so I want I wonder first of all you can explain to us what this analytic offers and then also tell us why it's appropriate in a study investigating the behavior of US citizens who were born in the US. So when we study Latino populations migrant health has received a lot of focus um, and in the last couple of years there's been this shift in or this highlight of looking at migration as a social determinant of health. And so we know that um Migrants migrate for uh, for various reasons in terms of economic, labor, um, 
fleeing uh, dangerous situations and so forth. But in the United States, um, we can look at that as a social determinant of health because the experiences, their health and their health behaviors are largely shaped by the migrant experience. So in terms of, for instance, policies largely um, dictate access to resources, so access to uh, social institutions, to health care services, to transportation, to housing, to education, and all these these uh, policies that are at the federal, state, um, and local level have an influence on on, on people's health. Um, and so migrants' health behaviors are largely products of, of their migrant experiences. And so my work also extends this by highlighting that migration is also an important component in migration-related factors is important among U.S.-born and U.S. citizen Latinos because Latinos are largely intertwined uh, with migrant with migrant communities. That 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 makes a lot of sense, and it just wasn't something that right away made sense, and it does now. So I really appreciate you taking the time to explain that. So, getting in a little bit then to the study's design, will you just tell us how you designed this study? Yeah. So this was. Um, this was a collaboration with um, some colleagues of mine at the University of New Mexico, actually. And so they were getting ready to, to implement a national study focused on diverse topics. And they were going to ask in part of that study on deportations. Um, if, you knew, if people knew someone who was personally deported um, and who, who was that, who had a social relationship with that. Um, and so what we did is we, I added questions on specifically on mental health, on alcohol and drug use to, so that we could better understand these health outcomes within, within this context. And so we used, um, they're called web panels. So these web panels are comprised of people who have already agreed to participate in survey research. So they get a high, higher response rate. Um, and they also try to, so they're targeted. So we try to create panels that are nationally representative of the actual population. Um, and so we did that and then collected data and, um, and we recruited over a sample of about 30, 3,200 participants of black, white, and Latino descent. In one question I did have about your study's design, given that uh, division between Black, White, and and Latino, was uh, there any representation of uh, Afro-Latinos in the study? I, I would have to go back and check, but I believe we only asked um, if you self-identified as Latino. And were you given the option to select more than one, or was it discreet in that way? No, it was discreet in that way, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I was just, just interested in that. Um, mm-hmm. And so what did you expect to find in your study? And then how does that compare with what you actually found? Uh, well, my hypothesis was that um, people that had close relationships with with uh, immigrants who had been detained or deported would report worse substance use outcomes. Um and that kind of, you know, when I present this work, when I present it, people kind of always go, you know, well, yeah, that makes sense, right? Because they've experienced this traumatic experience. But there were some surprising findings that weren't totally expected. So what we saw that saw was that if we stratified the sample, so there was a significant proportion 
we oversample Latinos purposely. Um, so we can have a, a proportion of Latinos who reported that they didn't know anyone who had been deported or detained. And then that allowed us to do um, comparisons by desegregating those, those two groups. And so what we found was that among Latinos who reported that they don't know anyone who has been detained or deported, their substance use behaviors didn't differ from black and white white participants. So it, they were the findings were not statistically significant. Um, and so they were relatively the same. So we didn't see any differences or any disparities. Where we saw the differences was among the subgroup of Latinos who personally knew someone who was who was deported. So that was a, a very unique and interesting finding. So there's something about the relationship between knowing knowing someone who's been deported that may be causing additional stressors that then influence risk to or mobility to substance use. Mm-hmm. And will you talk a little bit about the different kinds of quote-unquote knowing of someone who's been deported? So uh, the, the differences between, say, it's just someone in your community versus someone you consider a friend versus, say, someone you consider a family member. Yeah, yeah. So we always, we were also interesting, interested in knowing um, the relationship, uh, these social relationships and how they differ. So we hypothesized naturally that having someone in your family, having a family member would be, um, would increase the risk to substance use, given that those are, uh, tend to be close-knit relationships. But from the study, we also found that it was, it's not just having um, a family member deported, but even having a close friend or even someone in your community or a coworker um, that also increases your risk to substance use. So it extends beyond just your, your immediate family members, which, is, which was a remarkable finding as well. And forgive me for this next question because I am a humanities scholar and I mm-hmm. did take a you know, quantitative class mm, close to 20 years ago. So uh. forgive me for my ignorance on this. But one of the questions that I, I had on on this was, how, how is it that we're making meaning about this correlation between uh, substance use and knowing someone uh, who's been deported? What were the other factors that you considered and sort of um, decided weren't necessarily as significant as the relationship between these two things? Um, so you're, you're talking about other other factors that we controlled for? That, that's probably the word I'm looking for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we controlled for uh, a diversity of other, of other um, variables, basically. So we looked at, um, at, at biological sex, at age, marital status, also um, if you were U.S. born versus naturalized. Um, your education, employment status, household income, and then also psychological distress because clearly uh, mental health status is associated with substance use. And then we also um, um, controlled for where people, what state people lived in because there are uh, differences in terms of anti-immigration policies or these anti-immigration environments, we call them sometimes. For instance, living in California, which is one of the most inclusive states for immigrants, is very different from Arizona, which is considered a very punitive, has a very punitive um, immigration policy. So we took all of that into account. And so that's what makes this finding so significant, is that there's not a ready explanation outside of this. There 
this is maybe not causal, but it's just strongly related. Is that fair? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I think it's really clear in hearing you discuss this article, which, by the way, I really enjoyed reading, um, even as I don't understand tables and stuff very well. Again, humanities. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things that I also thought was interesting that I wanted uh, to give you a chance to talk a little bit about was the definitions that we're using here of substance use, substance misuse, because I, I was actually surprised at what those definitions were for substance misuse um, within the study. And I think uh, some listeners may also be uh, surprised uh, about that as well. So would, would you be willing to talk a little bit about what those definitions are, what counts as some sort of uh, potentially problematic uh, relationship to substance yeah, even in the terminology. So now I'm trying, we tend to not, so the DSM-5 was updated to, and before we used to measure substance use by either abuse or dependence, so alcohol abuse, alcohol dependence, and now it's just one continuous definition. Uh, we use alcohol use disorder. And so the way that we distinguish um, misuse is we also recognize that people use substances and don't have a disorder per se. Um, so you can do, you can use drugs recreationally and not necessarily have a substance use disorder. And so when we do analyses or when we look, talk about uh, misuse, we're talking about a, th- a threshold that um, would characterize, um, which would be directly impacting your health. So we know, for instance, um, hazardous drinking is, is considered having Four, four more drinks on a, in a weekday for women and five or more drinks um, for men in, in a week. Then the reason that's hazardous is because of the potential uh, physical health effects or mental health effects or, or both? Uh, both, but also physical, right? So, for instance, within the Latino populations, we have um, disproportionate impacts in terms of kidney and liver disease. And so hazardous drinking would be contribute to, to those outcomes. So then this, this leads me to something I, I want us to spend some time talking about, which really are the public health and policy takeaways uh, and and who who might really I mean obviously uh, people who might be engaging in these practices of, of hazardous drinking are, are one group who could take a lot from this study but thinking about public health policy what are the biggest takeaways um, for you know all sorts of practitioners or policymakers yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll start with uh, the policy level. So one, one, one thing that this is highlighting is that, uh, you know, deportations and detentions have exponentially increased. They've been increasing since uh, the early 2000s. Um, in 2012, we had the, a record number. More than 409,000 migrants were deported from the U.S., and that's more than any time period in the history of the U.S., um, they've decreased a little bit, but are still significantly high and increasing. And so part of the study or the, pub, uh, the, pub, the public policy implications of this is that there's also a spillover effect, right? So we're seeing that it's not just impacting uh, when someone is deported, the, the impact is felt at the community level and extends to U.S. citizens, um, not necessarily just the immigrant individual who's being deported. And so it is, in a sense, causing harm. Um, to to U.S. citizens. The the other point is that deport. A lot of times we see that um, 
migrants are deported for very innocuous reasons. So traffic violations, driving, you know, running a red light, getting a traffic traffic ticket, um, and some other, you know, the common narrative of why people is deported is a shift on criminal migrants. Um, and and most of the times we see that the reasons why people are deported are not necessarily doing any harm to society. And so this is also highlighting that we need to take into account what the impact of the deportation is is going to have at the uh, for the health of U.S. citizens or the health of Latinos in general. Um, and sometimes deporting someone may cause more harm than benefit society. And then for... Oh, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. I'll let you go and then I'll ask. Well, I was just going to uh, talk about the clinical implications. And so for substance use uh, in terms of prevention in clinical settings, um, for instance, we've found that um, cl- when clinicians take into account, um, when working with minority or vulnerable populations, when they take into account social contexts, um, that interventions are, are more, more produce more better outcomes. So for instance, if you do an intervention that's focused on preventing uh, heavy drinking or reducing heavy drinking, interventions are more effective when we talk about experiences of discrimination, um, immigrant experiences, and cultural, for instance, factors. And so this is also highlighting that we need to include deportations and detentions as part of um, interventions that are, that are focused on, on Latino populations. And is there support for such interventions or such approaches? I mean, is this something uh, that there's capacity to actually get done? Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually currently working. So this this part of, of this work is I'm using a scientific rationale to to do a clinical a clinical trial, um, looking at adapting a motivational interviewing um, intervention that takes into account deportation related factors. So that's a project that you're planning to roll out um, shortly. Is that is that my, my, hear, what I'm hearing? Yeah, um, I'm currently working on the grant. Um, uh, it's been well received by the NIH, but COVID has introduced many bar- barriers. Um, so it's been on delay. It's been paused, um, and that has to do in terms of you know it requires some sort of human interaction, and and so we've been delaying it because of that. Yeah, that makes sense. I wanted to return um, just briefly to what you had said about deportation and uh, the kind of focus on on that. And I'm wondering if you think that the fact that your study suggests that deportation uh, is bad, not just for immigrants, which most people would, would agree with, but that it's bad for U.S. citizens. Do you think that that is potentially a message that uh, might be heard by politicians that that otherwise wouldn't be heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that question. And actually, that's um, that's why I've been focusing more on U.S. citizen and U.S. born Latinos currently, uh, because as we know historically, um, anti-immigration policies or immigration control policies have been designed to be punitive, um, and even policies that restrict access to immigrants. Um, access to schooling, to education, to health care services um, also create harm, right? And so for politicians, if the story or the narrative that's being presented is these immigration 
anti-immigration policies, including deportations and detentions, are causing harm for immigrant communities, it kind of becomes kind of, you know, like, duh, that's what they were designed to do. And so I've been trying to kind of shift that focus to, to say, you know, they're also impacting U.S. citizens who have should, should have the same protections under the law, including their health. And if these these immigration policies are causing harm to U.S. immigrate to to U.S. citizens, then reform maybe maybe that message will be heard uh, louder um, and 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 then trickle down to policy change. Yeah. Absolutely. Miguel, is there anything else that uh, you want to say about this work that I haven't asked you about that you were just hoping to convey to the audience? Um, yeah, the, the, uh, I would say that this work, um, so this, this study is focused just on deportations, um, but we've also done a lot of qualitative, we've done a qualitative studies that, that suggest that um, that it's not just deportation, so that are that increase vulnerability to poor mental health and substance use, but other uh, other immigration related factors in terms of worrying about family members being detained or deported, um, experiences of anti-immigration, even though you're not. This is among U.S. born, so being being told to go back to your country, for instance. Um, a lot of fear of being detained, detained or questioned about your immigration status, even though you're a U.S. born citizen, is also inducing stress. Um, and there's also what's interesting is that in that qualitative work, U.S. citizens or U.S. born Latinos also mentioned that they fear being detained, detained or deported, even though they are legally protected from deportations. And there has been cases of U.S. born and U.S. citizen Latinos either being detained and, and in some cases um, were actually be, been deported and there's been lawsuits um, on, on, on in those cases. And so in, in, in one sense, then that might <laughs> suggest, based on the point we made earlier, that maybe the fact that U.S. citizens are being impacted would be more persuasive to politicians. But then we also uh, see these instances where U.S. citizens, but who happen to be Latino, uh, are treated as if they don't belong as well, which is, I suppose, the ultimate uh, conundrum uh, for us in our community. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so we know that um, immigration practices are highly racialized and and rooted in racism and and racial profiling. Yeah. Well, you know, I th- would love to continue this conversation, but I think we're at the end of our time. And so uh, I wanted to thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Pinedo. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. This was uh, a very insightful talk. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Again, our guest today was Dr. Miguel Pinedo, assistant professor in the Department of Kinesiology and Health Education and an affiliate with the LRI. I'm your host, Karma Chavez, and this has been Latin Experts. Hi, all. This is Ashley Nava Monteros, the communications associate at Latino Studies. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to check out the Latino Studies Instagram page. Follow us at Latino Studies UT to keep the conversation going.